0: Our gospel reading for this Mother's Day 2020 in the midst of a pandemic is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And I'm going to read various verses from this. It is a long passage, and I invite you, as I do each Sunday, to read this entire chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 15, as part of your spiritual discipline this afternoon. We know that it is not enough to just watch one worship service and have that sustain you for the entire week, and we want to open you to the possibility of more scripture reading, more prayer time, more engagement in some of our other online opportunities during the church week so that you too might stay empowered, encouraged, keep your sense of humor, encourage others as we all live through this pandemic together. From the Gospel of John chapter 15, various verses from 1 through 17, Jesus was teaching and he said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower. And he goes on and he says, abide in me as I abide in you. At verse seven, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus explains at verse 11 that I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He continues, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he finishes at verse 17 by saying, I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Here ends the reading here what the spirit is saying to the church. Can we get some love online for what I call the best worship? Team in the city of Columbus. Can you all give us some love online? These are folks who continue to uh, help us. In ways that are not always visible on Sunday mornings, you may not see all the things they're doing behind the scenes to bring you amazing music to do it safely. You might notice that they're safely distanced up here, especially Aaron back on the drums way up there. And um, they are doing their very best to help us transition in this time of worship because I'll say this before I say the sermon prayer that the church has been through a lot in the last two months, but the church has withstood a lot of things the last 2000 years. And I have no doubt that our church will continue to strengthen, that we will um, continue to be strong in our ministry to this city, especially. During this time of COVID-19, when there is so much uncertainty and there is some division in our society, may the church be an institution that unifies us, brings us together, and helps us provide hope and encouragement to each other, no matter our circumstances. I ask you to enter into an attitude of prayer with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in this challenging time of the pandemic of 2020 and in all times. Amen. Well, good morning. Some of you asked me what my daughter Katie is doing for me for Mother's Day. And I have to tell you, I don't know what she's planning to do for me, but I sure hope it's the laundry We have somehow generated a lot of laundry during this pandemic and it needs to get done. Let us know online, what did you get your mom for Mother's Day? What are you doing for your Mother's Day? In the pandemic of 2020, I know some of you have had to radically change your plans. You're used to visiting your mom um, and you may not be able to do that right now. She's in a high risk category. Uh, some of uh, the kids are making homemade things for their moms to avoid a trip to the store. And I love the cards that were coming out right now that you can order. It says Mother's Day 2020, the one where I was quarantined. So hopefully you can find some of those online. I think it is a very historic Mother's Day. It's not easy being a mom anyway, especially during a pandemic. You know, someone once said, it's an age old saying that the hand that rocks the cradle is usually attached to someone who is not getting enough sleep. Can I get an amen from our first time moms and parents out there right now who have babies? And it's not always easy having a mom either. Can I get an amen from some of our other folks online? It's not always easy having a mom either. And it's one of the reasons why it is so challenging to preach on Mother's Day, especially because online, as opposed to when you all are here in the sanctuary, online, we can't tell how many visitors we necessarily have. Some of you may be very new to us, and some of you may have been here for, for a long time. So we come into this worship service today in a very historic time from many different contexts We have young mothers celebrating their very first Mother's Day, so a special hi to Liam's mom, a hi to Avery's two dads, because I'll talk about gendered Mother's Day in a minute. But we have people who are celebrating their very first Mother's Day. And we go from that to uh, more experienced mothers who right now are thoroughly exasperated with their teenagers over remote learning. We have mothers who have already lost a child. We have people who have served as mothers for children they love. And we have those whose relationship with their mother and or their children is challenging. And we have those who have already lost their mothers and for whom Mother's Day is another source of um, poignancy and maybe even grief. And I mentioned that as a faith community and an inclusive and progressive faith community, I do think sometimes we should struggle with the gendered nature of Mother's and Father's Day as we welcome families with two mommies and two daddies. I still remember when I was in seminary and... um, it was revolutionary to read for children's moment, as Mary just did children's moment. I did a children's moment while I was in training and seminary, and it was revolutionary, you know, 20 years ago to be reading a book called Heather Has Two Mommies. Give me an amen, give me a high five online if you have heard of that book. It was revolutionary at the time to read Heather Has Two Mommies. caused a little bit of an uproar, but that's been the nature of some of my ministry. Sometimes I just feel like a parent, and I often wish we would just call this maybe Parents' Day. But whether we call it Mother's Day or Parents' Day today, if you are responsibly caring for children during this pandemic, in my book, you are a superhero. The multiple roles are endless right now. Let me list a few of these um, and I'm, I'm sure you'll think of others, but let me know if the shoe fits when I list one of these online. If this is uh, what you're experiencing or what someone in your family is experiencing, because if you are responsibly caring for children during this pandemic in my book, you are a superhero. Because you would now have to be a remote learning expert for your children or the community's children. You also have to now be school psychologist at home. You have to be personal chef and assistant, a.k.a. cooking and laundry and house cleaning, often with little or no outside help that you may have depended on before in order to manage. You are maybe the pet sitter now for your family and the landscaper. You are the fixer of all household boo-boos. You are the chief hunter and gatherer for the family while clad in now our generation's version of a hazmat suit just to go on a grocery store run. And often you are doing all of this while working hard, remotely or otherwise, to keep your job. And if you've lost your job, as millions and millions of Americans have, if you've lost your job, you're doing all of this while working to secure resources to keep your family afloat until better times kick in. It is no wonder that our parents right now are very stressed. But putting all of that aside for a minute, I do want to focus for a minute on the mother relationship, because all of us, in one way or another, had a mother. And in the midst of this pandemic, we cannot understate on Mother's Day 2020 that, The mother relationship is one of the most powerful and complex relationships we have as human beings, and most of us could not live or thrive without some type of mother love in our lives. You know, we pray, as we'll do today, our Father who art in heaven, but mother is the name for God on the lips and in the hearts of little children, as Thackeray said a long time ago. And who can forget the old Jewish proverb that God could not be everywhere, and therefore he made mothers. But I want to clarify that simply biologically having children does not make one a mother. Nor do you have to have children in order to mother. It says in the Bible that whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. All of us are called to love each other into all God made and meant us to be. So, mother is not just a word, a noun, or a familiar title. Mother is a verb. It is a divine function. And I hope you never ever forget that. Mother is a verb. It is a divine function. To be a mother is first and foremost to be a vessel of grace. It's not so much about your gender as it is about being a vessel of grace to love a child before the child can love back, to pour out one's heart to a child before the child can even verbalize the words, thank you. And perhaps that's why we call the church the mother church because we are to be a vessel of grace in this place. We are to love others before they can love us back. We are to pour our hearts out to others before they can even say, or even if they say, thank you. One thing we know about this mother love, and there's so much data from the psychologists and others, that one thing we know about this kind of mother love is that our children will one day love because they were first loved themselves despite or perhaps in spite of the vicissitudes of the outside world. Our children will one day love because they were first loved themselves. And you might have noticed the vocabulary word for the day, Our children will one day love because they were first loved themselves despite of or perhaps in spite of the vicissitudes of the outside world. So, kids, that is your vocabulary word for the day. It means a change in circumstances or one's fortunes in life, and it is frequently misspelled. So that's your lesson for the day. Vicissitudes. We are living in the midst of some vicissitudes. If children are not loved and we've seen this, if children are not loved, they often become like the young birch trees that we see in Ohio following a harsh winter. They're all bent over because the storms of life hit them before they were ready. And now no amount of May spring sunshine and warm air will ever straighten them out again. We know how important that early childhood love is. We see it sleeping on the back porch of our church every night. Now, some of you are familiar with this story. Some of you have never heard it before, but it's appropriate, I think, for this Mother's Day because unlike the young birch trees that I mentioned, I knew I was loved despite a whole lot of other stuff. I knew I was loved when I was young because of a weeping willow tree that sheltered me when I was in elementary school from first through sixth grade. And I, you know, give us some love online if you know what a weeping willow tree is. Some of you have heard me talk about the weeping willow tree. And others of you, uh, this will be a new story. But I wanted to give you a little bit of history. As we live through this pandemic, I want to give you a little history because we can do hard things. We've done them before. So let me tell your personal story and put it in historical context and see if it can help provide a metaphor for what it means to provide stability and love to a child during a pandemic. But let me tell you the story and then you can apply it as seems appropriate. But I was six years old when I found myself in yet another new town, in yet another new school because we moved a lot when I was a child. I was a preacher's kid, the oldest of three children at the time, and we moved every two to three years in the Episcopal Church to start new churches, including new church starts in the South in the 1960s. And that's what they did, was they moved you around every few years. But in 1968, now I'm going to date myself, but I think it's important. In 1968 a key year in our nation's history, I was six years old. Some of you are doing the math right now, like, oh. (laughs) But I can see some of our staff team are like, they're doing the math in their heads to figure out how old I am. I am so proud of my age. I'm so proud to be here. I'm fortunate to be here. But in 1968, a key year in our nation's history, I was six years old. In those few short years, My first six years on this earth, our country had experienced the assassination of a sitting president, John F. Kennedy. So no, Mr. Trump, you have not been treated worse than other presidents. Our country had lived through the assassination of a sitting U.S. president. The country had lived through the assassination of Kennedy's brother, who had been the United States Attorney General. And the country had lived through the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. in the midst of the civil rights era. So just think, between 62 and 68, think about what was happening in our country. There was something else that was looming very large in our country. So bonus points online, if you can guess this. I'll ask our staff team. Sometimes it's a little lag in the responses we get. But what else was happening in 1968 in our country? Who's a history expert and can know? Has anybody given us love online that they know the answer to that? Everyone's asleep this morning. I will give you the answer. In 1968, the U.S. had also entered the Vietnam War. And during my childhood, we saw the compulsory draft reinstated where young men and their families... Think about this. They watched television to see if their number had been selected, little balls and a thing. It was like a lottery, but it was the very deadliest kind of lottery. And that compulsory draft didn't end until the war ended in 1972. So my first decade in the world didn't involve a global pandemic, but our country was not idyllic back then either. So let me take you back to the childhood story now that I've set it in a historical context for you. When I was in first grade, we had moved from the south to the far north to Michigan to yet another new church halfway through my first grade year. How many of you had to move during a school year? You know, that's kind of tough to do, especially when you're little. But I had been raised in the South as a little girl, so I had a Southern accent, a very thick Southern accent. Just Google any little Southern kid saying their ABCs and you will see what I'm talking about. Because when I said my ABCs in front of the new Northern first grade classmates in 1968, they laughed and made fun of me. And this was way before zero tolerance for bullying. This was a whole different era of school. So every day when I came home from the new school, ashamed of my southern accent and mad at my mean classmates, my mother would join me and our family cat. Bonus points if you remember the name of the family cat. This is another sermon. Dennis the cat, right? There's another story for why I named my my rescue cat Dennis the cat. But his name was Dennis. He lived to be 21 years old. But my mother would join me in our family cat under the weeping willow tree in our new yard. And she would comfort me and give me a snack. And she would stay with me under the weeping willow tree for a while. She also told me that I could not be mean back to those awful kids. Because that is not what Jesus would do. Well, I finally lost that southern accent. Kids really, um, they have the ability to do that when they're little. And kids can adjust to life in new circumstances, and I adjusted to life in the North. And over those childhood years in Michigan, I came to love that weeping willow tree. I spent many hours reading under that tree, preaching to Dennis the cat, and hiding out from the mean kids when necessary. In many ways, that tree defined my young childhood. It was my home away from home where I safely abided amidst the storms of life in the, night, in the late 60s and 1970s, learning and growing under the tree's soft and safe sloping branches. If you've never had a chance to, sleep, to sit under a, a weeping willow tree, a big one, on a golf course or somewhere, I encourage you to do that. But years later, and this is what's important about the story for today. Years later, I learned that that weeping willow tree in our yard in Michigan had not been well planted. The tree was not planted near a water source, and its roots were too shallow. I learned years later that when my mother saw how much the tree meant to me, she called her mother, who was an avid gardener, for advice, and they didn't always get along, but my mother called her mother a gardener for advice. And my grandmother told my mother, if you don't water that tree every day for a year, it probably won't make it. It is not near a water source, and weeping willows are thirsty trees. Well, as I mentioned, my mother wasn't a gardener like her mom, but she was determined that her little girl keep her holy refuge, in the one place where her daughter felt rooted. So my mother watered that special tree every day by hand. So after that first year in the new house, in the midst of a country that was on fire with protests and assassinations and war, that weeping willow tree began to thrive and grow lush And tall, and by age seven, my mother's daughter began to thrive again, and even the family cat seemed happy. That's what we call mother love. How many of you have had some sort of experience like that? No matter what happened in the rest of your life with your mother, how many of you had an experience where you knew you were loved because your mother did something that went above and beyond? Let us know online if you've had that kind of experience. But I also want to say before we get too sentimental and nostalgic about this story about my mother and the weeping willow tree, you must know that my mother was far from perfect. So that weeping willow tree has a deeper and more profound meaning today. And that's because for good or for ill, most of us learned something from our mothers or we learned something because of our mothers and it's something we don't name very often and it's the characteristic of resilience can I get an amen to that that most of us learn something from our mothers or because of our mothers and often we don't name that and it's resilience it's resilience like the beautiful weeping willow tree that sways in the wind but does not break that's one of the characteristics of the willow tree it will sway but it won't break no matter how hard life's winds blow. It is a resilient, majestic, and spiritually impressive tree, especially if it has a good start in life. This is another thing that I learned um, when I was a kid. Did you know that the weeping willow tree is known as the queen of trees? The weeping willow tree is known as the mother of trees, a tree whose bark helped us discover salicylic acid, Do you know what that is? Why salicylic acid is important? Why the bark of that tree is important? It's the curative ingredient in aspirin. The weeping willow tree is the source of salicylic acid, the curative ingredient in aspirin. It is truly a healing tree. Well, That weeping willow tree of my childhood still stands today, rising high above now my childhood home, having withstood the harsh Michigan winters and the hot August summers. It grew stronger and more resilient with each passing year, having been well-watered and loved by a little girl and her mother long ago. Whether your mother was awesome or flawed or both, Mother's Day reminds us to remain open to God's deep, abiding love in all times. Today's lesson from John's Gospel, chapter 15, is about this kind of spiritual mother love that we all need to thrive. The Gospel says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, this passage from Jesus at the heart of John's gospel is about the ultimate connection to life, which is love. The kind of love that can heal the deepest of hurts and fears and bring resilience, wholeness, and truth to any life even during a global pandemic. So moms, I have a special, and I should say parents, I have a special message for you today on Mother's Day 2020. And the message is, you've got this. You may not think you do, but you've got this. I love how writer Teresa Vargas put it yesterday when she said, because I know some of you are new parents. They said, when you're waiting to adopt or you're wandering around with a pregnant belly, you tend to hear the same advice over and over on a loop from people. Sleep now. Take plenty of photos because it goes in a blink. Try to make time for yourself when the baby's sleeping. And so on. You can think of all the advice that you've gotten from people. What people don't tell you is how that child you have will rewire you in a way that makes you more. More aware. More tired. More irritable. More self-doubting. More scared, especially in a pandemic. And even if it takes extraordinary circumstances like 9-11 or a global pandemic to show us The child that we've been called to raise in this world can also make us more brave, more capable, and more focused on what really matters in life. For generations, we parents have emerged from traumatic times more powerful, more creative, more determined, and many will undoubtedly do that again in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. So I'll leave you with this today, a little history. Some of you may not know. It's a good project to do with the kids this afternoon. You may not know that the idea for a National Mother's Day emerged out of the Civil War when our country was literally ripped apart by war. And that's when the idea for a National Mother's Day came about, with a group of grieving mothers resolving to work together to abolish war. When Julia Ward Howe first advocated the Mother's Day for Peace in 1872, she was never exactly proposing a day about motherhood itself. Hers was a very progressive call for women to unite for peace after the Civil War. And her thinking, her writing shows this, that her thinking was that mothers would be collectively opposed to anything that threatened their children. I encourage you to read some of her writings. Mrs. Howe's revolutionary concept eventually became a national holiday in the United States in 1914 and it became increasingly sentimental and nostalgic and commercial over the years resulting in lots of Hallmark cards rather than peace in the world. But the true origins of this day we're centered around the need of women and parents to create a better world for their children. So on this Mother's Day 2020 in quarantine, may each of us be challenged to be more, more brave, more creative, and most importantly, more loving so that we might all create a better world for our children in spite of this global pandemic. Because we're in this together. Let us pray. Almighty God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to show us the greatest love of all. A love that abides from generation to generation, no matter what harsh winds disrupt our life. Help us to abide in that love and to share that love with everyone we encounter so that our joy may be complete as we resiliently grow into the fullness of your love for us. Thanks be to God. Amen.